Okay, here we go. Uh, hello, and welcome to Passport People, the podcast where we talk uh, to people about the places that matter to them. And today, we are talking to the wonderful Adil. How are you, Adil? Fine, thanks. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Doing all right. Um, for the listeners who do not know of you and who you are, please tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are. Yeah, my name's Adil, born in Liverpool, October, wait for it, this is how old I am, 1964. Oh. Which to a lot of you will sound like ancient history. Depends on who's listening. <laughs> Depends on who's listening to this. I, to, I don't know. Maybe uh, we can get the the listenership up to a certain age where it's you know, basically a wider if you appeal. were if you were born in the sixties, like my parents are, who I desperately hope are listening to this. Please uh, listen to this podcast and tell your friends. Podcasts are fun. Exactly. Yeah. Especially when they're done by a scouser. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just hoping that there are going to be people that listen to this and just enjoy the sound of your voice and just don't really listen to anything else. They just get to appreciate the kind of melodic tone of everything that's going on. I think so. Well, the Liverpool accents have become a lot more acceptable these days anyway. It used to be, people used to say, God, listen to his accent. But now it's, uh, it's ubiquitous, it's everywhere. And Do I hear it all over the world when I travel as well, so it definitely is ubiquitous. Do we blame Jodie Cummer for that, to a certain extent? I don't know who that is. It's, you, have you seen Killing Eve? Oh, of course. Yes, yes. yes. So yeah. Villanelle, yeah. the, main, the no. main lady on this, no, who, no, is, no. Who, who already of kind course. of fluctuates yeah, between yeah, French and yeah. Russian, yeah. if you go YouTube yeah. her BAFTA award-winning no. speech... I've heard her speak. Authentic yeah. Liverpool accent. Oh, my authentic goodness. Liverpool accent. And, Crazy. And she's also Katrina Johnson-Thompson's best mate. Mm. Who just won a gold medal at the, Who in just there. slayed it in Doha. Yeah, exactly. Repping reppin British athletics. Yeah. For all of you out there who are very, very interested in and that. The, another famous scouser. Oh, there's, there's millions. So many yeah. famous scouts. Yeah. I mean, really, I don't know yeah. how we're going to get them all into the next Well, that's not the point, is it? So. The, the, the point about being from Liverpool and being famous is a bit of a cliche as well. Sportsman-wise, music-wise, um, theatre, arts, everything. It's all a bit of a cliche. Oh, yeah, he's from Liverpool. He's famous. Stephen Graham, for example. Well, I guess yeah. this kind of answers the next question that I was sort of coming to on this, where do you consider yourself from? Because I'm aware, you know, as, yeah. as both of us as BME men in this country know, yeah. it is a very loaded question. Would you yeah, describe yeah. your cultural identity very specifically as Scouse, or is it slightly more complicated than that? No, it's, it's Scouse. I was, I was born in Liverpool mixed with Scousers all my life. Uh, my parents are from India. They came over to Britain in the late 40s, early 50s, so a long time, but basically, yeah. So when, when I was born, my dad was, had been already in the country for almost 20 years. So, so he's embedded in Liverpool. He, he loved Liverpool. He's not with us now, but he loved Liverpool. He was part of the whole city, part, and part of the culture, part of the politics of the city. Mm. And that's how I grew up as well. Visiting people, visiting... Um, part of growing up there was... Dignitaries coming over to the house because dad, my dad was involved with local community, with politics, so MPs used to come over, people of the church, people from the mosque, all sorts of people, so that was part of our growing up. So we were embedded in that, in that culture of Liverpool. And as we'll get into it, it's, it's that diversity to a certain extent that yeah, makes Liverpool it, the city it is. Exactly. Well, Port City and all that, I know that's another cliche, but Port City, in fact, the oldest Chinese community in Britain 
is in Liverpool. The oldest African community in Britain is in Liverpool. The oldest Yemeni community in Britain is in Liverpool. It wasn't hugely diverse when we grew up, as in um, places like Bradford, maybe, or Yorkshire, where, which is like 40% Pakistani of, of Bangladeshi heritage. It wasn't like that. It was much more thinly spread, but, but evenly spread amongst the ethnic minorities, if you like. And I suppose the biggest one in the 70s was, was the Chinese community. Yeah. Well, I suppose this sort of answers the question, where are we going to talk about? Um, but yes, for those of you who hadn't cottoned on today, we will be talking to Adil and we will be talking about Liverpool. Okay, so... For those people who may have heard of Liverpool for some reason, but have no idea where it is and whose knowledge of the UK extends to about London, where would we find Liverpool? Um, it's north of Watford. <laughs> it is. Just like, just like everything in the UK is north of Watford. Birmingham, north yeah. of Watford. Scotland, yeah. north of Watford. Obviously, yeah. this is targeted to a, a, a few people, um, denizens of the south of the country, but yeah. <laughs> But Liverpool is a city in the northwest. If I think of the northwest, I think of Liverpool. Uh, if anyone says n- northwest England, it's, it's Liverpool for me. It's um, not that far from North Wales. It's uh, near the Wirral Peninsula, and it's a city on the banks of the River Mersey, which has also shaped the city. The fact that it's next to the sea, deep water port, huge amounts of docks, the biggest port in the Commonwealth for about 40, 50 years. Ooh, and that has shaped, it. and that has. Uh, I think it was uh, in terms of the Commonwealth. It was probably Hong, uh, Kong, Hong Kong, Singapore, some, yeah, something like that. Yeah, in in terms of actual traffic, but it was up there for like forty or fifty of years, or, or maybe more than that. And the unsavoury facts about the port as well, we all know, in common with Glasgow and Bristol and London and Liverpool, was slavery. So that also developed. And a lot of the massive buildings you find in these cities, Edinburgh, Glasgow, grand, grand buildings, money from enslaving people working for them. So that's the part of the city that there is a museum of slavery in Liverpool as well. Mm. Doesn't try to hide it. It's 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 quite awful actually. I was ac- thinking about it. I was yeah. actually going to say because my so I've been to Liverpool once. Mm-hmm. I went uh, actually this year earlier this year with my mum and my sister as a sort of birthday let's all have a day out let's all do something fun and because none of us had ever been to Liverpool we thought this is going to be a great little experience and because it was my mum's birthday one of the things that we very specifically asked so what would you like to do when we're up here and she very specifically said the Museum of Slavery and I think certainly her general perspective on it was she found it both extremely insightful but also extremely discomforting and I think to a certain extent it affected certainly her impressions of the city would you say it's something that kind of again not colonial past but kind of slavery focused past do you feel like that's something that is sort of there in the identity of the city and it's difficult to get away from it or do you think that that was the past and now people in the city have moved forward or yeah People in the city wouldn't think about it. If you're someone who's, who, who's, who enjoys reading about history and injustice and the 
the presence of the UK, of Britain being the in colonial times, basically enslaving millions of people, whether it's in India or moving slaves across the world to work in cane fields in South America from India. Someone like me will, will, will know about it. And those massive buildings, those grand buildings in Liverpool, aren't there, haven't just arisen because the people of Liverpool worked hard and built them. It's based on slave money, as was London and Bristol and, and a lot of Britain. People don't realise how, how big, how economically advantageous slavery made countries mm. like um, Britain and America. It's funny, yeah. actually, because I haven't put it in the, in the questions, but in my various bits of research in preparing for today, I read that not only was Liverpool sort of considered the New York of Europe for quite a long period of time, it was, but yeah. that actually the first American consulate that wasn't in London was in Liverpool. And, yeah. you know, there's, a, there's that running debate about the sort of the British second city. And for many years, there was no debate. It was Liverpool. It was, it was. And I remember as a kid going down a street called Rodney Street in Liverpool, where there's lots of, it's equivalent of Harley Street in London. Not only was the doctors there, but there's all sorts of small embassies and consulates. I remember seeing the, when I was a kid, seeing the embassy of countries like um, South Africa and Egypt and, and obviously um, Commonwealth countries that the size of the city would not would not necessarily support, but it did. But it did support them. The embassy of Tanzania or something, or the consulate of Tanzania, for example, you wouldn't get that in Bristol or Glasgow or somewhere. So, yeah, it was a truly international city. It is, yeah. which I think leads nicely onto the kind of the main headline question that I think people who listen who may have heard of Liverpool for some reason or another may want to investigate slightly further, which is that as we've kind of already hinted at through the first few minutes of our conversation, Liverpool is a city with so many different identities, whether that's the port city thing we're talking about, whether that was the home of the Beatles thing that I think a lot of people uh, know about. Yes, for listeners who are, uh, (laughs) I'll let you in on a little secret. When we tried to record this the first time, Adam made a very well-timed joke about who are the Beatles, and annoyingly that was right where the recording cut off. So, yeah. in order to get this gag in, let's reenact it. Let's yeah. reenact it. Yeah. And uh, did, yeah, did you say the Beatles? Yes, I think the I've Beatles. Heard, I think I've heard of them. Yeah, my music taste yeah. is very niche, so yeah. you know, they're, they're just four lads yeah. that made a bunch of songs. Really, I've actually forgotten about them, as in yesterday, <laughs> the movie. <laughs> Uh, Richard Curtis, stop making movies. Yes, exactly. And of course, as both of us and as many sports fans know, uh, football hub and home of the European champions. Yes. Six-time European Cup winners. Unsurpassed. Liverpool Football Club. I think about it, it still gives me shivers thinking about it. Six times Liverpool European champions. Obviously, I'm a red, I'm not a blue. And how did that develop? I remember watching the um, FA Cup final 1971, Liverpool play Arsenal, two teams in red, I was five years old or six or something, I said, said to my dad, who's playing? I said, that's Liverpool and that's Arsenal. I thought, right, I live in Liverpool, so I'm going to support Liverpool, even though they lost. Charlie George scored the Arsenal winning goal, by the way. Anyway, sorry, I digressed a bit. No, yeah, you, yeah. You, you do digress, but it is it's, yeah. it just makes me think of the fact that when I... Because... Uh, Adil, lovely Adil here, is my uh, landlord slash part-time flatmate. <laughs> when, I met, uh, when I met his daughter Yasmin for the first time, we started talking about Liverpool and being a Reds fan, and she told me, 
I still watch the highlights from that 4-0 victory over Barcelona at Anfield in I, this year's semi-finals. I don't blame her, because I do, and I'm sure most Liverpool fans do as well. <laughs> Utterly exhilarating, I mean, given, given mesmerising, Given majestic. the poor quality of the final, you have to have something to cling on to as an epic moment to, yeah. to celebrate. Uh, but... For those of you who are not football fans, we've really bored you to tears. So let's move on to the main question I had on that subject, which is, yeah. do you think that today, with all those identities that exist, that there is one overriding identity or that they all sort of find a way to coexist together? Um, I, I suppose for people my age, who were maybe born in the 60s and maybe um, 70s, we'd like to think there's one overriding identity, but it has dissipated it a lot. It was a working class city. Middle class people were there, obviously. Not many very wealthy people. There used to be during um, Georgian times and, and during times of slavery, um, but it was an overwhelmingly working class city, which was neglected during the 1970s, late 60s, 70s and 80s by industry and the government. All sorts of reasons for that. We don't need to go into that. And that has shaped part of, part, part of the city. People are, okay, it's a cliche, but it's also true. People are down to earth. They're very friendly. They'll talk to you and they'll help you. I've had numerous examples of, of, of that in Liverpool. You start chatting to someone in a bar, they'll talk to you and will have no airs or graces about anything and they'll start, and they'll start swearing in, 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 in a matey way as a, kind of, as a term of endearment to say, oh yeah, you're all right, you, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that, 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 that's one part of the city. Um, the other part of the city is there's a huge amount of students there now and all the students I've met, not that many, love Liverpool because it is a city that has no airs and graces. It's got fantastic buildings. It's got a culture of um, music, uh, the arts. Lots, lots, of cities, lots of cities could say that, but Liverpool has a, has a special culture in terms of its history and um, performing arts. The Everyman Theatre is quite, quite famous, the, the Philharmonic Theatre. So it's not, it just doesn't have one identity. It has many, but people of a certain age will know it for having a certain working class down-to-earth, a kind of hard-edged, cynical, irreverent identity. Which I think brings me on to the term Scouse. Yeah. Because when we hear Scouse as people who aren't from Liverpool, we understand that it is a very specific cultural identity, that yeah. it is a cultural identity of pride within the United Kingdom. As the resident Scouse, can you talk about what it actually means to be Scouse in terms of those personal values, the things that, that you feel as a Scouse that you represent that maybe people who aren't from Liverpool or aren't from the regional don't get it, don't really have. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a lot to do with what I, what I mentioned before. But if when I say I'm from Liverpool, yeah, I'm actually, I feel quite proud to be from Liverpool. And my dad said that as well, and, and I think he got it as well all those years ago. He said, he said, he used to say to his mates, yeah, I'm a Scouser, in, 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 in his vaguely posh English stroke Indian accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he was, he lived there most of his life for, well, Three quarters of his life he lived in Liverpool, yeah. So it, there is a thing about about Liverpool, yeah. I'm, I'm quite proud from there. And what, what, what does it mean to be a scouser? It, it can mean anything. It's like it's like saying you're from London, really. But <laughs> again, it's it's a kind of a more historical thing. But I think what people associate um, the scousers with is um, maybe that working class, hard edge background, or that bit of irreverence. And a lot of people look at it in a negative way and said Liverpool and Scousers always appear to be the victims. There's so, been a few high-profile high profile cases of that recently as well. So, yeah. Yep. 
the Mis- sun. Mis- We're watching yeah. you. Yeah. Mis- <laughs> misunderstood as well. Yeah. Is no, it, totally is, misunderstood. Is, is, is another thing, yeah. But, but I, I'm quite proud to be from Liverpool anyway. When people say, where are you from? Say, from Liverpool, yeah. But I guess to a certain extent, that's also the extent to which, I mean, again, certain groups of people, I'm not, not going to pinpoint any specific group that might live in the southeast of this country. But yeah. I will say that there is this sense of, it's one thing to sort of live in a place or be from a place, but it's another thing to really have that sense of belonging to a place. Exactly. And yeah. it seems to me that with this identity of belonging to Liverpool, that it's not like you've got to go through some kind of great, big, long, multi-year ritualistic process of doing loads of stuff. There's a very clear sense of you're one of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd say that's true. But yes, so maybe um, some people living in different parts of the country view Liverpool in a, in a completely different way. There's Liverpoolians see them. Liverpool essentially is a very friendly, open city, and it always was. It was never even in the um, in the 1970s and, and 80s. I suppose there's racism everywhere, but I don't remember it being overtly awful in in terms of that. Well, we lived in the middle class areas. So that was, that was something to do with it, and everybody knew that there was parts of the city that were. Um, that were more deprived than others, which were, which were inevitably um, had more crime and things like that. But all cities have that. So, of course. So, so Liverpool is 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 not exceptional, or was not exceptional in in, in that. It's just that maybe in Liverpool people fought back, whereas mm. other places didn't. Actually, in Liverpool people fought back. In London they did. In Bristol they did as well. I'm talking about the riots in, in the early Newcastle. 1980s. In, in, in Newcastle as well, yeah. But in Liverpool there was a genuine a genuine feeling of of us and them, the police mm. versus the youth, and it wasn't just black youth; it was it was mixed. It's interesting because this kind of also tied into the earlier question that that I asked. We're recording this episode in in Edinburgh, in Scotland, where there is, for various different reasons, this not just political but cultural sense of frustration between what exists in Scotland and what the general mood is in Scotland versus what the mood is in Westminster and in London, how different that is, and the sort of tension between those two sides. Would you compare the relationship between Liverpool and London as being quite similar in that regard? Yeah, totally, yes. That's a good analogy, actually. Because a lot of people in Liverpool don't, don't kind of... Um, they do associate with London, but, the, but there's, no, there's no affinity between the two cities. And also, I just thought of a point there, and it's completely... It's, it's completely uh, it will come back. It will. And it we will. will find a way yeah. to bung it in. Uh, right. Um, what was that point? I was going to say something. <laughs> Have you stopped now? Is it still going? No, it's still going. All right, sorry. <laughs> Again, if you think of it, yeah. just bring it up. I will do. Yeah. Um, okay, so now we're going to talk a little bit about... You. I've thought of it. Sorry. I've, I've, go I've for it. it. Go, 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 go. Fa- famous banner at Anfield that you, they used to roll out along the front. You couldn't miss it. We're not English. We are Scouse. Ah. Yeah. See, this so is... they didn't associate even with the country of England because it is it, it is a separate, it was like a separate enclave because it was regarded as something different. And I think people played on that as well. When when the outside media looked at Liverpool and thought, this, is, this, this isn't like Britain. Mm. And even the government said, we're going to have a managed decline of it. They were, they were proposing a managed decline of Liverpool, pulling it's the industries really out, letting it, letting it look after itself. Yeah. And, they, and the Scouts just thought, okay, we're not going to be English then. <laughs> we're Scouts. 
So that's that, that. That's part of where the identity comes from as well. And it's quite strange to think about the government in the in the eighties. It we're, is. We're contemplating that. It is really interesting, actually, yeah. though, because we're recording this in the midst of a, an international break in the football's world, in mm. the football world, and so yeah. obviously there is the you know these kind of questions of cultural identity come up again. England fans have just gone to Prague, and you know wreck the place as okay. England fans do yeah. and I don't know when I when I think of Scouse and Liverpool and that cultural identity which is so real and so vibrant and so specific and then I think of uh, Geordie which I think is also a very similar sense of you know this is who we are this is our culture this is what we believe in and, you know, to a certain extent, other parts of the UK, you could argue uh, in Cornwall, they have that to a certain extent. You yeah. can argue the Brummies have it to a certain extent. And it's like this concept of what it means to be English, which, again, is probably an entirely separate podcast. But it is so uh, loaded and complicated. And it's, it is. it's it? just interesting to, to hear the way that you that you and other people in Liverpool see that as being so different. Mm. It's also to do with being a port city as well. Newcastle, Liverpool have got lots of similarities. Glasgow is another one. Glasgow, people, working class city, very down to earth. People are people, generally, you, you can walk into, I've experienced walking into cafes, people have spoken to me as if they've known me. Like, and, and, I'm, and I'm responding in a way, it's like, have I met you before? And, and they're just being very friendly, <laughs> which, is, which is a bit of a cliche, but um, yeah. But Liverpool, Newcastle, and Glasgow are the three cities that I'd say have quite a lot of common, quite a lot in common in the UK. Uh, for those of you who do hear random bits going on in the background, our lovely flatmate is cooking a very nice lunch, and <laughs> we have we have chosen this location to add to the general atmosphere of our lovely podcast. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> there we go. Mugs <laughs> clinking. But uh, yeah, if you do. If you do hear bits in the background, you should be able to hear us perfectly fine. Just know that a lovely lunch is being had and maybe it will inspire you to have your own delicious culinary uh, bits. Scouse, as your sort of fun podcast fact, is an actual stew that you can eat. So It is. Did I, did I didn't get to that. I don't think you asked me the question, what is Scouse? <laughs> I actually don't know. I think it's a stew. Potatoes it is a stew. and meat. Yeah. It's got when yeah. I look this up, it has like I think it's got like lamb and potatoes yeah. in it or something like that. But it's, yeah. Supposedly it's a Scandinavian name, uh, or from the Shetlands or something called Skas, which was uh, or something like that. I can't remember exactly which was food. A meat dish. There you go. So, so yeah. if any of yeah. you are listening to this podcast and feeling hungry have a look at for recipes for Scouse. I'm sure you'll have loads of fun. But, uh, the, but the culinary aspect of Liverpool has improved an awful lot. I remember when we were kids, there was, there was one Indian, one or two Indian restaurants. And when we used to go there, it was like the biggest thing ever to sit in this dark restaurant with a classic flock wallpaper, spongy carpet, strong smelling of curry. But it was, it was, it was nice, but we regarded it as a massive treat. But now Liverpool is a, is a great city for going out here to mm, eat. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, to transition on yeah. to you and to the lovely career uh, that you have had, which we have yet to mention. Um, so the question that I've got written down is about Liverpool's port heritage and did it have an effect on the career that you chose to have? But I think you should kind of start that question by introducing exactly what the career is that you do have and then kind of transitioning towards did Liverpool's identity and your growing up in Liverpool have any 
bearing on how that turned out. Yeah, and it all started from school. So um, my career has been involved with the offshore industry, as in oceanography, hydrography, which is the study of the oceans, how deep the oceans are, what's on the bottom of the ocean. Not underneath the oceans, that's oil and gas exploration, that, that, that's something else, but it's the, it's the study of topography of the oceans, um, the state of the oceans. So has Liverpool shaped my career? I suppose it has in some way. At school I was very interested in, in geography and the environment because I had really good geography teachers and that was my favourite subject. And I did a, uh, an extra O-level. Remember there was O-levels in geology. After that I uh, did a degree in geology, worked offshore and I suppose that has, um, whether the port city or not, has, has had an effect. Liverpool actually does have a department of oceanography and that's what I, that's what I trained in, in oceanography but actually in Southampton. So I've worked offshore all my life. I've worked all over the world, Middle East, Far East, Australia, probably not not North America, not South America, but most other places, most of the continents, basically. So, um, yeah. It's with taken my, you with, all over the place. With my work, it's taken me all over the place. I work now in offshore technology, and the company I work for supplies underwater electronic equipment to help people do surveys of the sea, of the seabed, build pipelines, build platforms, build wind farms, that kind of thing. And that relationship that you have with the ocean, I mean, obviously it's a, you know, it's a long-term marriage to the sea and the great, you know, big blue. Yeah. Did that, and again, I don't want to sound cliche and I don't want to sort of feel <laughs> like I'm putting phrases and ideas into your mouth, but did a certain part of that come from being right next to the ocean on a very sort of constant basis and, and seeing it or, or n not really? I mean, no. the Mersey kind of leads yeah. directly to the ocean, but it's not directly on the ocean. Well, we didn't live far from the, from the River Mersey, a place called Otterspool Promenade. We were maybe a mile from there in South Liverpool. Um, but no, I wouldn't say being in Liverpool has, has affected it. I think it was more the fact that I used to travel a lot on holidays with my parents, traveling in planes and starting from the age of one. Yeah, I think my parents obviously um, travelled a lot. They came to Britain when in the late 40s and, and mid-50s, so they always had a kind of itchy feet, and that kind of passed on to me, my brother and my sister, and we used to travel on planes when I first travelled to India, and I was one year old, that was in 1965, on a Comet jet. Not that I remember, but I was told, yeah, which were proved to be very, very unsafe, un un unsafe airliners, because the windows used to pop out. There were, square oh, win there, was, there were square windows originally, then they made them round, and that's why windows are round now in aircraft, <laughs> and they're not square. Because they used to either pop in or pop out, one or the other. No, the Comet was a very, very dangerous plane. That was the first plane I went in, I think. But they found that out later. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, moving back to Liverpool. Mm. Liverpool is, as we've already discussed in the first bit of this podcast, an amazingly diverse city, with people calling it home from all over the world, as you said. Uh, Europe's oldest Chinese community, oldest African community African, as yeah, well, lots of West African and Nigerian, oldest Yemeni yeah. community, which is a, a fun little add-on yeah. in there. Manly and I just yesterday we watched because she's new to watching Friends. We watched the episode where Chandler moves to Yemen, and uh, you've never seen Friends. Okay. Of course, I've seen Friends, but I don't remember that episode. That episode, yeah, yeah. it's a fun yeah. one. For those of you uh, who do watch Friends, you'll know what I'm talking about, but basically Chandler, as a means of getting away from Janice, makes up that he's moving to Yemen. So that is unfortunately the yeah. larger reputation that it has among idiot millennials like myself. Um, but anyway, 
what and I think we've kind of touched on this with the our conversation about scouts and the sense of belonging but what does this diversity and this heritage actually mean for the city in terms of what it consequently brings diversity it's just it's a lot more welcoming it's more interesting for uh, for a start in terms of but remember diversity isn't unique to liverpool of but, course but, but, but liverpool's always been an open city it's a port city it's opening to the to the commonwealth to the world whether that was for good purposes normal trade or nefarious slave slave and cotton purposes uh, trading purposes so it's it's always been a an open diverse city I'm, I'm so pleased that I'm, that I'm from Liverpool. I couldn't imagine being, being... I'm sure everyone thinks that someone from Newcastle couldn't imagine being from Birmingham and, and, and vice versa. But Can yeah. anyone really imagine being from Birmingham, though? <laughs> I don't think that diversity, diversity improves, and improves anywhere, just in terms of its, its outlook, its, its, its welcoming capacity, its, um, its open, um, open-mindedness, basically, and, and Liverpool was always, was, was always that. I think people in Liverpool were used to seeing people of different colours earlier maybe than in other cities. That's what, I, that's what I think. But again, I said that racism wasn't a big thing for me in the 1970s, but that's, that's probably because we lived in a middle-class area in South Liverpool in a, in a, in a quite a, a middle-class school. Right. But, I, don't, but I, I, I can relate to it, but a lot of people say in the 70s say, say they were abused relentlessly. That, 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 that thing, that, that didn't happen to me. Fair enough. School, school bringing up probably as well. Middle class, selective school. That's had a lot to do with it as well. Right. Yeah. Um, what is a liver bird? It's, it's, I actually don't know. It's, um, <laughs> there, was, there was a 19... You probably aren't aware. There was a 1970s sitcom called The Liver Birds. Oh, really? Yeah. Have a look at it on YouTube. For, 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 was for it? For all you youngsters who don't know. Have like a look a, on YouTube. It's called The Liver Birds. It featured... An actress called Neris Hughes, and uh, was it and referring to liver birds in the context of women? women? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Two girls living in a flat, young workers. One called Elizabeth Estenson. If you see them, you'll recognise the faces that they're in. Okay. I think still so I have, I have yeah. the liver. A liver bird is a an actress on a sitcom. Yeah, <laughs> in the nineteen seventies, and it is a myth- mythical bird, and they are sitting on top of the uh, liver buildings in Liverpool. The Royal Liver Building was an insurance company. Again, used to insure ships going across the Atlantic, carrying slaves and bringing them cotton, things like that. And it is a massive building. Massive building, huge clock tower. It looks like something from out of Gotham City. You think you visualise kind of those kind of um, stark, big concrete, white, grey concrete buildings over mm. in, in the States. It looks something like that. And you can see where that style came from. Mm. Not is- quite a... Art Deco or Art Nouveau, but something like that. I don't know what the I don't know what the actual term is. It is incredible in that regard, actually, yeah. because it's like, I mean, again, I mentioned previously, it was considered the New York of Europe. Yeah, but exactly. when you yeah. actually go there, the extent to which you get those kind of great big skyscraper-like buildings and great big kind of concrete constructions, it really isn't a joke. It is. It's frightening, particularly when you walk along the, the waterfront and you ma- really get massive, the chance to see yeah. it. And yeah. considering that they were built between 150 and 200 years ago. Here's, here's a fact for you, another fact. Where we're sitting now in Edinburgh on Craigleith Road, behind us, there's a big retail park where there's a Sainsbury's and Mark Spencer's. That used to be a massive hole in the ground. It's called Craigleith Quarry. This house used to be called one of the workers' cottages. No and way! Yeah, that hole used to be 100 metres deep, just not 20 yards there. 
massive hole in the ground. And the stone from that is such good quality sandstone. It built the new town in Edinburgh. A lot, lots of these houses built lots of Liverpool and was also exported across the Atlantic in blocks of stone. To, and to that came from, from here, here, basically? There. Wow. That quarry, yeah. We are sitting not 100 yards away, 100 metres away from the quarry now. Yes, we do need to yeah. illustrate these yeah. distances because yeah. as much as I love it when adult points, unfortunately, there's only so much that you, the listener, really get to yeah. experience. 100 metres to the north, yeah. So Basically, yeah, yeah. Little, um, northwest yeah. Edinburgh, look up Craigley Three Tail Park. It's around where we are. Yeah. There is a, there was a quarry. I wonder why was it just not profitable after a certain point? Like it just yeah, I think it just cost too much to get the stone out, and it was diminishing returns, costing more to get less stone out of the ground. And then concrete and steel came in, so they didn't need blocks of sandstone anymore. Well, that is yeah. very it was, annoying. Lots of Liverpool's buildings were built from it, and in the States as well. Talking about the Liverpool buildings, going back to that, the, the uh, a well-known fact is that the clock tower is actually the, the clock face is bigger than Big Ben. Is it really? Yeah, bigger than Big Ben. It's the biggest one in Europe, I think. Clock really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I definitely yes. did not yeah. know that. Just goes to show you a lot of big European, mm. uh, big yeah. European hubs based in Liverpool, yeah. six-time European champions. Totally, yeah. <laughs> See how many times we can bung that into this uh, this conversation. The Liverbird for football fans, the bird on the Liverpool logo is the Liverbird. So if you're wondering what I'm talking about, that's what it is. Uh, and the football team is a nice segue because when researching for today and typing Liverpool into Google, pretty much all of the first page of results are football-based. Um, and even when I told uh, sort of members of my mum's family who are big sports fans that we were going to Liverpool, they asked, are you going for a game? Which I think speaks to the exact extent to which exactly. the team really means a lot to the yeah. city. But as a Liverpool fan... Yeah. And someone who's, you know, obviously lived in Liverpool and not lived in Liverpool. Can you talk a little bit about the relationship between the club, the city, its people, and how that's developed over the time that you've been supporting Liverpool? I think um, it's always been a big part of Liverpool. Bill Shankly was the man. He's the guy who started off Liverpool being successful. They started off in the second division in the... When he came from he came from a working class mining town in 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 Ayrshire from Scotland and was his his motto was make the people happy and he was part of Liverpool he was a socialist and people got that as well and he developed Liverpool he wasn't interested in airs and graces he was interested in people working hard and knowing where they came from and that kind of thing and he instilled that and that went through the late sixties and early seventies when players like um, Kevin Keegan and I think everyone said Kevin Keegan in 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 the early seventies. John Tashak, Phil Neal, Phil Thompson, these types of players. They were all, all, all kind of working class people from, from the region. So how has Liverpool affected my relationship with the, with the city? Well, I've always supported Liverpool. And as time has, as time has gone on, um, we did have um, 
periods of success, obviously up to 1990, Liverpool were the club that won everything and, and, it, and expected to win everything as well. So um, I think I think it got a name throughout the world then, as Liverpool were, were a major power in football. Since then, uh, Liverpool have not won the Premier League. And who would have thought it 30 years later? Not won the Premier League. In th- it's incredible to think until, about it, actually. Until 2020. Shut up. <laughs> do not speak. Liverpool, Liverpool fans, do not speak of it. <laughs> we, 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 will not even, we, will, we will not even contemplate it yet. You we, haven't, gonna, you haven't listen, put the yeah. last day of the season in your diaries yet. No. We were seven points clear last season. And look what happened. No, we're, we're it's eight true. Point, we're eight points clear. It's much, true. Much earlier on. So yeah, and, and, and anything can happen. It just looks as if... This year, Liverpool, rather than, I don't want to talk about football team, it's Liverpool seem to be able to grind out results that they may have drawn or lost in the past. Mm. That, perhaps, is, is the difference. Um, the identity of Liverpool, it's not just Liverpool. There is another team there, Everton, the blue side across Stanley Park. It's the old cliche, but they're only a mile apart, both in northern, in, in northern Liverpool, working-class areas of Liverpool. Um, Everton fans uh, did have lots of success in the early 80s, and during the early 80s, during those times of the riots and political upheaval and Derek Hatton and Liverpool City Council and militant tendency. Um, it was the football that kept things going. It was people's escape, if, if you like. And Liverpool, both Liverpool and Everton had huge success. And I'd say there's, there wasn't, uh, there isn't massive animosity. I think if you ask any Liverpool fan or Everton fan who they'd prefer to see winning a match, if it's Man United or the opposing Liverpool team, it would be, be the opposing Liverpool team. If Everton were playing Manchester United, I'd want Everton to win. Of course. Yeah, I think if Liverpool, and I think an Everton fan would say if Liverpool were playing Man United, they may say Liverpool, I don't know, but I know that I'd, there's not a massive amount of animosity as such. There's banter, of course, but families in the, in the city support the, support the same team. So, yeah. Which is certainly important because, I mean, we, we've already touched upon the sort of the Scouse victim cliche mm. that exists. Um, for those of you who may not have, you know, delved a lot into football history, one of the sort of main uh, defining things that's happened in Liverpool's history was the Hillsborough disaster, which took place in 1989 yeah. and uh, took the lives of 96 uh, Liverpool fans when they were crushed uh, basically in a stand, which in those days had fences at the beginning of them, so they were called pens. Um, and yeah, 96 people crushed to death. And I think, I mean, again, maybe you're better place to talk about this, but certainly when I look back at it and you see the, the history and the way that the city and fans on both sides of that football divide came together. Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. I mean, it just, it goes to show you how human, I think, the interaction with not only the interaction with football, but the interaction with, you know, fellow members of the city. It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter which team you support. This was an awful thing that happened. No, no, it's, it's much more important than football. It, it, was, it, was, it was life and death. Mm. Talking about Bill Shankly, Bill Shankly's famous cliche about, or famous verse uh, about football. He said, um, it's not a matter of life and death. It's much more important than that. That's what Bill Shanky said about football and, and Liverpool and, and winning. But yeah, the city of Liverpool did come together in, in a major way because it, is, it was a major event shaping Liverpool history. And they found out later 
that uh, all sorts of terrible stuff was written about Liverpool fans, but that's that's that we can talk about that on a separate on a, on a separate <laughs> occasion. But, yeah, that again, yeah. entirely different podcast. Just know that you may have heard in this podcast I already had a go at the Sun. Yeah. That's why the Sun does not get sold in the, Liverpool. The Sun newspaper, Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, terrible. Um, and for those of you who again may have shut off at our desperate attempt to try and talk about football, just bit for you to try and understand vaguely the point we're getting at go to youtube type in she loves you and feels Exa- exactly yeah. in the 1960s when they were all they were all rocking to that and that's that's how singing uh, i think liverpool was, they were saying that one of the first ones where they had proper organized singing at anfield and of course everyone knows the old cliche i've said cliche about 15 times this podcast there are you'll a lot of never, cliches with liverpool you'll though. never walk alone <laughs> it is, isn't a jerry in the pacemaker song it's from a, a Rodgers and Hammerstein um, musical in the States from the 1930s or 1940s. Is it really? Yeah. It's incredible. It's not Jerry Marsden. And that, you could write a whole documentary about that on its own because that mm. whole song, it signifies Liverpool. Other teams have adopted it. I think um, there's a Spanish team. Is it Seville? Dortmund certainly have. Dortmund Celtic have, certainly has. Uh, Celtic have. And Liverpool adopted the Fields of, Fields of Athenry, which is the Fields of Antwerp, which is a Celtic song as well. So it's, it's an incredible song. And when it's a, I know, cliche. When you're at Anfield and people are singing it with full gusto, it's oh, yeah. pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. A lot of teams don't like it because it does bring the, the team together. And, it, mm. and it's, it's a thing. The players have said it. When, 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 they, when, they, when they hear that, it, it gets them off on, on the right foot. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it is incredible. The one, the one time I've ever been to Anfield, I'm a West Ham fan. And I managed somehow, to this day, I don't quite understand... But I got a ticket in the away end for Liverpool West Ham. And the moment you see all the scarves go up and everyone starts singing and the cop have all their banners out and the players are all on the pit ready to go. I mean, as a West Ham fan, we have we have a song called Forever Blowing Bubbles yeah. that, you know, we get 60,000 grown men singing and is pretty incredible. But there is just, I mean, even as an, even as an opposing fan... You can't not be in the ground with that happening and not have every hair on your body just stand up. It's truly, truly it incredible. Is. It is. I'm, um, I'm, I'm, and I'm if, a... if you never, if as a football fan, you never make it to Anfield, at least YouTube it and see it because it is just yeah. incredible. This, the, 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 the first line is, when you walk through the storm, hold your head up high. And that's kind of the, the, it's, the it's, it's, it's an epic song. The lyrics are very short and sweet, but it's quite epic. In, in terms of its feeling and the way the notes change from a sharp to a minor chord and there's that air of danger and through the darkness it mentions in storms so mm. it's, it, it encompasses everything joy hope sorrow everything mm. it's a pretty incredible song actually does, does all of it really yeah. Um, yeah. you mentioned actually the first line of the song is when you walk through the storm hold your head up high mm. and you've previously talked sort of earlier in this conversation about uh this sense that the press is constantly referring to Scouse victims. And I haven't written a question per se for this, but I'm just kind of quite interested in your views on this whole sort of almost that, not necessarily that Liverpool fans, sorry, not Liverpool fans, that people in Liverpool as a whole are hard done by, but do you think there is any specific root of that general feeling beyond sort of the pains of ordinary life? Do you think for some reason Liverpool and people in Liverpool have had it worse off than others for some reason? 
I think a massive part of Liverpool's population were from Ireland. Liverpool and Ireland have very, very close links. So the people say the Liverpool accent came from the Irish accent originally. I, I, I don't really know how. But um, in, in terms of hard done by, when the government said in the, in the early 1980s they were going to abandon it and have a managed decline in Liverpool, that's government policy was at the time. They, they didn't do it. It was, it, it was an idea. Liverpool used to be a massive city, very, very successful, super industrial, and then slowly it declined when, I don't know, the manufacturing base became cheaper to, to export it. Liverpool used to make cars. They used to have like three different car factories there. It had a massive Brighton May factory making matches, matchboxes. Used to have, used to make Meccano there. They used to make uh, the biggest Tate and Live sugar factory was, was in Liverpool. The biggest sugar factory in the world was Liverpool sugar processing. Petrochemicals slowly over the 1970s and 80s that that declined and unemployment took hold, and then it was the managed decline. But if it wasn't for football in those periods, I don't know what the city would have done in the, in the early 80s. And yeah. why was that that the government sort of took Liverpool and said, right now we're going to to do this? They didn't in the end. Right, but it was an but idea. Why because, do you have any idea where the yeah, root of that idea came because from? Because Liverpool was, was had a militant had a militant history. Working class, we're not, we're not putting up with this shite, we're going we're gonna to fight back. And the government didn't know what to do with Liverpool. It was a massive city, but they could see lot, lots of factories were closing down and people starting to leave the city. So they just thought, OK, well, just, we can't do anything about it. We can't just pump money into it. So they were almost trying to do it out of nervousness and, yeah, and just being scared more than anything else. I don't know. I think they, were putting, they, they thought they were putting the money into, in, into lost causes. But look at it now. So it's com- it's completely changed. And the it first is. thing, the first thing that happened, the, the the first biggest arts initiative was the Tate Gallery, the the Tate in Liverpool. Mm. That's brought people in, and that the once that seed started in terms of culture, everything else grew out from that. And that idea started in the in the late eighties, and then ten years later, the Tate did come to Liverpool. It's crazy. It's yeah. crazy to think about actually, because for those for those of you listening who have never done really much travelling in the UK outside of sort of London and Scotland or, you know, the South or whatever, there is a belt of places from sort of Derby all the way up to basically just south of York that basically became big off the Industrial Revolution. And obviously Liverpool is is part of that belt. Liverpool is the port city. It, Mm. It grew quite a lot from that happening. And, I mean, again, Liverpool seems like it's done all right out of it. Manchester has been the place that sort of has almost become the second London now with the way that people have treated it. Yeah. But you go you go down the there's a highway M sixty something or other that goes east. M sixty two. The well, the one, Liverpool with Hull. That one. Oh, is it that goes all the way to Hull, does yeah. it? Yeah. But anyway, so you go down that road and you get to Bradford, and again, I don't want to, you know hate on Bradford in this podcast is that really not the point of this podcast no. but I think even people from Bradford would agree with me in acknowledging that the state of the local economy is absolutely horrendous yeah, and that's, yeah. that's because the British government was complicit in this whole we're going to grow these areas up when it completely benefits the country and we're going to have all these factories and we're going to make sure that these are foundations of the local economy. And then as soon as companies are deregulated and can basically do whatever they want and say, right, we're going to ship this labor out to Pakistan or Bangladesh Mm. or China or South America or wherever, that suddenly 
that suddenly the bottom falls out and there is just absolutely nothing there's no, there's no, in place. There's no kind of industry there anymore, I think, in Bradford and West Yorkshire. Leeds is a pretty, pretty big, thriving city. It's all it's the service economy. Bradford, yeah. a lot of people do rely on, I mean, um, the universities as well. Bradford's a university town. 10, 20,000 students. Leeds got probably 50 or 60,000 students. Huge amounts of income in, in the city from students, which is why it's the only thing that appears to be building now. It's student accommodation. Mm. That's the only thing that appears to be making money. That's so it's heartbreaking, In terms, in terms of commercial properties, yeah, there's student accommodation everywhere, and it's the only thing that's... Uh, that cities can sustain because there's no there's no factories in Bradford. There probably is, but Bradford and West Yorkshire was based on the cotton industry, mm. and I guess and Lancashire yeah, to a certain yeah. extent as well. I mean, again, if if any of you do make these trips, it is stark comparing you know what you see in London and the kind of vast, almost over the top nature of kind of how hipster and bourgeois certain parts of it can be. And you go to the kind of middle bits of this country and you, you realise, I mean, I can't remember the exact statistic, but some of the most impoverished areas in Europe are in, are in the UK, which yeah, yeah. when you consider how developed a country the UK supposedly you know, celebrates that it is, is almost unthinkable, really. Yeah. Um, Parts of Middle England and coastal East England. Which will come on to Brexit, I suppose, but no, but maybe not. <laughs> Liverpool voted to remain. Which we hugely. must state. Massive working class city. A lot, a, a lot of um, deprivation isn't A lot of people say a lot of England was left behind, which is why a lot of people voted to leave the EU. That, that may be correct. But deprivation alone isn't a reason why the people voted to leave because Liverpool is it's a big city. It's got a lot better. Huge working class population massively, overwhelmingly decided to, to stay within the EU in Liverpool. I think, really all, I think, I think, I think, Glasgow is the same. Glasgow, Ed- Edinburgh was like seventy-five percent to remain. There are also, alongside the football, there are a lot of people who have heard of Liverpool as being the city that the Beatles are from. Again, those random four lads. I'll show yeah. you some of their stuff later. Yeah. They're quite show me good. pictures of them and, 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 and they may ring a bell. Show mm, me pictures of the Beatles. Yeah, the, the Beatles. Yeah. yeah, I'll play. I'll play you some of their stuff. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but the city was also the birthplace of many other musical acts. Um, you you have a list of some of them that I you've got with I can't you. even read it now. Have have a look at that. I, I'm, I'm holding up okay. a piece of paper. Let's see. To Finn. Uh, Echo and the Bunnymen, I definitely see. Yeah. Uh, orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. Uh, is that Frankie? Is that yeah, Frankie's Frank- in Frankie Goes to yeah, Hollywood? Yeah. Okay, but just Frankie. Uh, Teardrop Explodes. Teardrop Explodes. The Zootons, Big in Japan, The Mighty War, Pete Burns, who was in Dead or Alive, Echo and the Bunnymen, The Christians, Icicle Works, Elvis Costello. It's immaterial. The real people. These are small Liverpool bands. The farm was Jerry big. and the pacemakers, yeah. obviously. Oh, Castilla Black. Black, Black, Lightning Seeds, Atomic Kitten, the KLF, the real thing. Now those are just things that I just scribbled down in literally thirty seconds. And the sixties band. Are you saying you didn't even like go to Wikipedia for that? Like you no, just no, no, no. I just off the top, top, of your top of my head just scribbled down. This was the first yeah. thing that you learned in school in Liverpool, is it? I think like, so. Very, okay. very. Everyone used to be in bands. I wasn't a part of a band, but my brother was in the band, and he had loads of mates coming around and playing guitars and. Your childhood only sounds. In the lounge. Your childhood yeah. only sounds a tiny bit like the entire plot of Blinded by the Lights. <laughs> <laughs> only a tiny bit. Nothing I mean, like that. Liverpool's mainly yeah. maybe slightly more exciting than Luton, but yeah. there you go. But it was. Yeah. The question that I'm sort of asking is, what is it about Liverpool as a city, as a place that you think 
lends mm-hmm. itself to that sort of artistic inspiration? Is it the sense of this is all the stuff that's going on? Is it the sense of diversity and meeting all these different people? No, it happened because it's geographical place because it, all this music, the rock and roll stuff, Beatles, the Quarrymen, um, the Mersey Beats, Billy J. Kramer, Celia Black, some of the Beatles, Jerry the Pacemakers, they all were based basically, uh, it's based on American R&B music and blues music. So not R&B as in R&B now, rhythm and blues as in the older rhythm and blues, the older genre of music. And that music came across to Liverpool in the 50s as in records and boats and planes. So that, that's why it started off in Liverpool and that's why then the musical thing started because of American music. It was a, an rock import and roll, economy more rock than and anything. Roll. Yeah, exactly. And that's why all these, all these bands started. I don't think it was anything to do with the working class nature or the fact that it's anything else. It's because it's geographical location, major port, records used to come in, people used to listen to them, and there was loads of clubs and things, so I think it started off. It started so were those, was yeah. those your experiences with sort of finding and getting into music as well, that you were sort of getting access to, to stuff almost before anyone else was? Sitting? Not really. No, no, I wouldn't say, I wasn't massively, my brother and his, and his mates were massively into music, I wasn't so much into music then. I remember there was a, there was a famous record shop called Probe Records, Another one called Backtracks and Probe used to be aware. Lots of the people I've just listed used to hang out there. So you could go there on a Saturday afternoon and look outside and see minor pop stars of like you see Pete Wiley or Pete Burns or Elvis Costello and people like that hanging around Probe Records in town. I wonder why. It just it, that's what we used to do as, as, as kids then in in the seventies and eighties. Go the to the cool re- thing to do. Go to record shops, look at records, swap records, buy some records, and just look through records. In, in 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 order and just look at the sleeve and go oh that's good isn't it and just yeah that that's what we used to do in lunchtime Penny Lane Records there was a famous people song Penny Lane my school was at the road from Penny Lane so oh, famous record yes, shop yes I think I've yes. heard of that one yes yeah, that's yeah. a good one <laughs> yes you will have done yeah that's the famous record shop and we used to go to the barbers that also mentions the barber shop yes it does we used to go there as well my mum used to take us there and is there a portrait of the Queen oh no because that's in the pocket of the fireman. Yeah, scratch that. Well, you know, in, in, in other words, better than me. Yeah. yeah. That was one of those, you know, in school sometimes, like, it's like, oh, let's get everyone in the class to sing this song. Penny Lane and just Beatles songs in general were very popular for yeah. that. Ellen Rigby is a good one as well. Yeah. Ugh. Sad story. Yeah. Strawberry Fields is a real place in Liverpool. I thought yeah. you hadn't heard of these four. Who are these four again? Yeah. <laughs> Lies and deceits. Um, there are, and again, we've kind of already touched on this. There are many people who would suggest that as a city, Liverpool's best days are behind it, that its development as a modern UK city is stagnating. Again, there is a, a sort of stereotype and cliche that wanders around that people from Liverpool are broke, people from Liverpool are victimised, you know. And again, if I, if I had never been to Liverpool and just kind of heard based off what everyone else said, I would just sort of assume that Liverpool was this sort of, you know, down on its luck, almost Detroit-like place where it was kind of, you know, slowly, Maybe it slowly. was. It was in the 80s and the regeneration started in the 90s and arts and culture started that. It wasn't influx of industry, anything like that. It was the arts, it was the Tate Modern. That's that's a thing, people have recognised it. Academics at the University of Polytechnic said that started the the start of the regeneration when the Tate, Tate Modern came to Liverpool, the Albert Dock, the whole water development there. People go there as a, as a destination to the Albert Dock and it's like a huge, it, it, was, it was the biggest enclosed dock in the world. 
So basically, so, what you're kind of saying is that arts and the leisure industry yeah, almost yeah. single-handedly yeah. transform the not the yeah. prospects, but the sort of the the welfare of a city. Yeah, it's 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 a thing. People start visiting. When you get more visitors, you get more hotels, you get more cafes, you get more restaurants, you get more interest, and obviously, social media, internet in the last twenty years has has, has all helped that as well. People know where Liverpool is. If you ask anybody in the world who heard Liverpool, they go, oh yeah, Liverpool, Beatles, uh, Liverpool, yes, uh, Stephen Gerrard, uh, mm. Klopp, uh, whoever. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just really crazy to think because as someone who was trained in the theatre world, one of the kind of regular things that we always say is that when it comes to any sort of monetary thing that's going on, the arts are always the first thing to get cut. Yeah. People in Manchester will tell you as well that culturally Manchester started the whole nighttime economy thing started because of um, this is in the, uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, the whole dance music culture thing going out, nightclubs, restaurants open late at night, more, more liberal licensing hours, people populating the city centre. It's all affected Liverpool, massive student influx, huge universities. There's two universities there was. There was John Moores University and there was there's Liverpool University. John Moores was the old poly. So I don't know how many students in Liverpool, maybe 30,000, 40,000. That's almost 10% of the population. But it's just crazy to think about the extent to which, you know, people look at jobs and the industry of the kind of the cultural sector and they yeah. kind of look at it like, yeah, you know, it's whatever. Know, yeah. It's just that nice thing on the side to have. Yeah, but, yeah. but then, yeah. you know, and again, I, I didn't realise the extent to which that was the moment that Liverpool's fortunes turned around, but it is crazy to think and it is yeah. crazy to think that even from a sort of brand reputation perspective, having something like that, you know, is is so valuable. Yeah, and it really yeah, does yeah. give so much to a place. And it makes again, I don't I think don't want to say it makes people want to spend time there more, but you know, people like it. restaurants it's, and it's they one like part of it. Liverpool eating is great. I went there recently and it's like this fantastic fish restaurant and it's noticeably cheaper than Edinburgh the same quality of food. It may, it may not have the diversity or the number of restaurants per head that Edinburgh has, but it's got an awful lot and the, and the whole food culture thing that Liverpool has taken off, as it has everywhere in, in Britain. People, people won't accept crap food anymore and crap service, and, 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 and so they shouldn't. So, basi- so basically the way you see it is you would disagree with the, that statement about its development stagnating because you would say in general that the city is on the up. Yeah, no, I, years, I would have said the same thing 10 years ago. It's, it's, it's on the up. And, and that's still, largely yeah, yeah. due down to the sort of cultural investment that's been put into the city. Yeah, and everything else. Football also. Football, sport, famous people. It's a destination. People go to Liverpool for a weekend. Mm, that is Definitely true. a destination. And the EasyJet airport, you can fly from Prague, Norway, Warsaw. Loads of cities in Britain. That's, mm. the, that's the whole... It's made everything much smaller. Mm. Yeah. It definitely feels like a European city, that's for sure. Liverpool, yeah. yeah. It, it has... Yeah, it, it does more so than Manchester. And I, I think, actually, I spent like five or six years in Manchester. No, more, in fact. A couple more questions yeah. for you. Um, what would you say the future holds for Liverpool? So we've talked about it's on the up. There's, it's a destination. It's got a decently sized yeah. airport. It feels like a European city. Mm. What is going to happen moving forward for Liverpool? Do you think it's... Let me try and find a way to phrase this right. Do you think that 
it will grow a lot beyond what it has in the same way that a London or a Manchester has? Do you think it will stay as it is and the quality of life will improve yes, sort of I mean, year on year? I think it'll, 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 stay, it'll stay a similar size because Britain's changing all the time anyway. Population is, is increasing slowly, but not necessarily in the major cities. I don't know. I don't, um, yeah, it's, it's difficult to say. It's, it's, it's a city that's got a lot going for it now. I don't think it's any different now in its development than Bristol or Leeds would be. Right. Both, yeah, it's, it's, it hasn't got its own kind of path making, path forging. It's obviously just Liverpool. slightly just, more storied than a Liverpool yeah, ex- or, a, ex- than a Leeds or a Bristol. Exactly. It's, it's more storied, it's more mm. cliched, it has more character, I think. I'm from there, so I am biased. But, it, but the history and its people has, has, got, has got more more to it. To be fair, from a non-biased perspective, yeah. with the exception of London and Scotland, yeah. the only city I can think of that has anywhere near as storied a history as Liverpool um, is Nottingham. That's the closest. And to be okay. fair, even then, a lot of that is Robin Hood and Brian Clough based. So yeah. even then, I'm not quite sure if I'd put it in the same bracket as Liverpool. But no, I. there are... It's amazing to see not only how many kind of great stories feel like they start or like at some point get to Liverpool, but also the extent to which it feels like there are more and more stories developing. You know, we mentioned Jodie Cummer at the beginning of this podcast. She's one of them. Katerina Johnson Thompson. She's another one of them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, The success that Liverpool are, are having the football team that's another one of totally. them. It, it, and it, it's totally, yeah. it feels yeah. like, it feels like yeah. that constant production of, again, I don't want to say yeah. culture, but just stories, stories that you can connect with and get excited about. It doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. It just feels like it's going to keep building. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the next 20 years we had another great Liverpool band turn up and do amazing things because it, it almost feels natural. Yeah. In the same way that Oasis represent Manchester. Uh, especially from what you've told me in this conversation Um, final question and then I will uh, let you get back to your life Um, I've listened let's say I've listened to this podcast and I wanted to come to Liverpool for said weekend what is the thing that I should do there the thing the the thing go go to a local pub in town and speak to people and have a laugh with them yeah, thing about Liverpool, it's very uh, not so cynical is too strong a word. It's very irreverent. They don't stand on ceremony. They're good at taking the piss out of themselves. That's very important. But Liverpool's very don't take themselves too seriously. Mm. Very good about making fun about scousers themselves. They scousers know their own failings. So if you're going to do that, meet local people and have a walk around the city and just and and look at the buildings. It is and, certainly and, and, beautiful. And think about what they were based on, good and bad as well. Yeah. Mm. It is but, it, but it is a you, you go out in Liverpool. You, you, you it's difficult. To, it's, you, you can't fail to have a, a good time if you have the right mindset and just meet local people. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Adol, for being uh, one of our lovely guests on Passport People. You're welcome. Um, thank you very much for listening to Passport People, and see you next time. See ya. Bye. You've been listening to Passport People. The music was by Harry Bongo, and the cover art was by Maya Pires. Learn more about us by visiting our Island Life Productions Facebook page, or by visiting our website at islandlifeproductions.com.